Hey there, sleepy readers. Hey. <laughs> I'm Liza. And I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Did you finish Stranger Things part volume one, season four, volume one? Yes, I did best yeah. yeah, she did. Are you excited for volume two? Yes. I think it comes out July 1st. How do you think, um, how do you think that they're going to save Nancy? Or maybe, do you think she's going to die? I Maybe they, I think they're going to kill somebody. And I don't know who. I think it might be Steve. If they kill Steve, I'm going to. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. If they kill Steve, it's over. I I have theories about who they could kill. I think they could kill Nancy because it would be really sad, but it wouldn't make people stop watching. Um, I think they could pull a Suzanne Collins and kill Will because then it would be like everything was for nothing. Like remember when she killed Prim in the Hunger Games and you were like, did I just read this whole book series for no freaking reason? I think it could do that. And I think they could kill Eddie. And that would make me sad girl hours. I think Eddie will live. I hope so. And I think that people just liked him too much. Well, I don't know. I think Eddie will live. I hope so. I I, who I, I was talking to my sister about it. And she was saying like, because he's based off the West Memphis 3. Is that what it's called? Have you heard of this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what he's based on. And my sister was like, I bet you he survives the upside down, gets back to Hawkins, and that mob that's after him kills him. And I was like, I would fucking... They always kill the new guy, too, because they killed Bob, and then they killed Billy, so... Wait, why did that give me straight-up goosebumps? Yeah. No, they could so totally do that. Pull a friggin' Night of the Living Dead. They could do that. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And they also killed that Russian guy last season who was everybody's fan favorite. Um, I'm also thinking, I think that Steve is going to save Nancy by giving her a big old smooch. (laughs) I love that. I do. And then I think that they're going to have a little bit of a thing for a while. And Jonathan's going to be out the picture. And then I think Steve. I will cry. I know. I don't even, the kill Jonathan, I don't care about that kid at all. No. I saw this, I saw um, this guy on TikTok who was talking about how Steve got a redemption arc in season two, but he really didn't need one because everything he did was justified. And I remember thinking, and I was like, yeah, Steve was a dick in season one. And then I went back and I thought about it and I was like, no, he wasn't. He really, he really truly wasn't. He was just protecting his girlfriend. Jonathan was weird, dude. Like he was taking pictures of her. Right. He was a creep. If if some guy was taking a picture of my girlfriend, I would have broke that camera too. I, yeah. Fucking, I hate Jonathan. He's yucky. Poop Jonathan. That's why they can't kill him because nobody would care. Do you think... Will is gay. Oh, yeah. That kid's fruity as hell. Yes. I hope they actually say it, though. Like, I hope he actually, like, says something gay. I don't... But, okay, the thing is, everyone's like, oh, he's in love with Mike. I don't know if he is. No, I don't know if he is. I think he's gay. But I think he's afraid to tell Mike because Mike is his best friend. Yes. Not because he's actually in love with Mike. Yes. Because I don't think that they're ever going to let the Mike and Eleven storyline die. Right. At least not in that way. And it it wouldn't work with Will and Mike anyways, because Mike is definitely not gay. He's not gay. 
But um, yeah, Will's gay. You you heard it here first. That kid is gay. Why are you gay? Um, I also saw a theory that Eddie's gonna have to save everybody from Vecna because he can play his guitar, and like everybody's gonna get trapped, and then he'll play his guitar. That would be really cool. I would like that a lot. Yeah, that would be really cool. We need, that's our lit news of the day. Lit news. I think that's it for. Is there any other lit news? Go watch the black phone. Yeah, everybody do it. A lot of people at work yesterday when I was working were buying um, the summer I turned pretty. Is that what it's called? We literally sold out of it yesterday. Literally, like so many people were just buying it. And then what's the other one that's also a TV show right now? Heartstopper. I don't know. It was so funny, though, about The Summer I Turned Pretty because that came out when we were teens, if not before we were teens, bro. That book is like 15 years old. No, it wasn't Heartstopper. It was something else. I don't remember what it was. I've been trying to think of it all day. I can't remember what it was. Um, But that's what people were buying. So if you want to be in the loop, that's what you guys got to be buying. Am I going to read it? No. No. Am I going to watch the show? Probably not. I might watch the show. I probably won't. I like like cheesy teen. Like I love the first to all the boys I loved before. Okay. Yes. I also love cheesy teen things, but I just think I'm in a mood right now. So I can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah. I can't right now. And maybe, just, maybe like midsummer. I'll do they it. just put it on Netflix. That's pretty exciting. It 2017. That is exciting. But I was just explaining to people that, like, I really want Black Phone to pop off because I want Joe Hill. I want Stephen King to be done. I think if he stays around too much longer, he's going to say something he shouldn't say. I think he should stop writing in case he writes something bad. Stop making movies and just fade into the distance and let Joe step forward. Yes, exactly. More people need to love Joe Hill. And we need more like summer horror readers. Um, and I mean, I love Joe Hill and I want more people to read Joe Hill and I want more people to read horror, but... Also, I want people to read female horror writers. And that's what I really want. Horror authors of color. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, I as much as I love Joe Hill, yeah, we don't really need him to be the new Stephen King because we already had that. We already had a white guy. We had a white guy. But I think that the Black phone being popping off will be good because it will get more people to read horror and then it will eventually funnel people more into women and people of color horror i i agree like i hope when um the new jordan peele movie nope nope yeah for some reason, my brain was like, here. I'm like, no, it's not called here. No. Um, I hope when, when Nope comes out that people are like, hell yeah. More people are craving that during the summer. How come people don't crave horror during the summer? I don't summer know. Summer horror is like one of my favorite. It's my favorite. I like summer horror even better than fall horror. I like like summer horror and like school horror even better than I like like Halloween horror. Yeah. Halloween horror, fall horror feels wholesome. Yes. Winter horror to me feels very like isolating and like stuck. Yeah. Um, But spring and summer horror are elite. I just like summer a little bit more because there's something about things being really, really scary and also the heat that like freak me out <laughs> me too me too um i love the movie krampus so much to the winter horror. It. it's so dude it's so good like it's so good let's just say if you like puppets you're gonna like krampus i freaking love a puppet and i know you love puppets 
We love puppets. We love Muppets. 10 out of 10 would die for a puppet. I would die for a puppet. They also freak me out, even though I love them too. Like, you know, like, there's something very spooky about a puppet. There is. They they know things that we simply don't. Mm-hmm. Smells like wet, wet cement outside. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's nice. I'm just wafting it into my face. Because it's raining. Because Marissa made it rain. Because I said, you know what? Everyone's pissed me off today. Skies open up right now. Clouds cry. And they did. If anybody I know can control the weather, it's probably um, Marissa. I've done it many a times. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, I really have. I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes I'm just like... I really want it to rain today, and it does. No, I believe you. I believe you. I also feel like women would be able to control the weather. I don't think men would be able to. No. Men can't do anything. Even when a man when a man is like a psychic medium, I'm like, are you sure about that? <laughs> Whereas when a woman is a psychic medium, I'm like, sure. Should we start talking about our books? I guess we should maybe start talking about our books. What'd you read? Um, oh, yeah. Also, newsflash, but we're not in Aruba anymore. We just got back. We just got back. I'm tan. Eliza's tan. I feel like the sun is in my, 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 my bloodstream pumping through me. Um, my skin feels like it had its... It's a... Uh, its peak in life Mm -hmm. it feels like it's just amazing it feels so good to like lotion every day and be like i'm not pale i've been using my lotion from aruba aloe and it makes your skin so soft so soft so soft the lip balm is really good too i got that vitamin e serum i used that that was nice but yeah we we the one good thing about leaving aruba is we each found a book in Aruba that we read and both of us freaking loved our books so much. And it was like, it was something that we didn't expect to do. So it, it felt like a present from Aruba. It did. And and it also was interesting that like, there was such a small selection of books and we each picked the one that we just got kind of like attached to right away, which is special. Like that's Beautiful. such a different experience than like going to the bookstore and picking something or like doing research online and picking something like it's almost like when something is like presented to you. But then you love it. And I can't help but think like who had this before me? I know I was thinking that, too, because I was like, whoever had this book before me is really freaking cool. Unless they hated it. Unless they hated it, in which case. And the way I left, I left my Nora Roberts book there, which is such like a shitty trade. Like I, I mean, maybe not though, because like I took this really cool book and I was like, y'all can have Nora, but maybe the next person who's going to stay in that house is going to read the reef and think it's like the best thing they ever, maybe they love Nora Roberts and they forgot a book or they finished their book on the airplane and it's going to be the perfect book for them. And if that's what you need, that's what you need. Let's just hope a kid doesn't pick up the reef. So many people have been um, buying Colleen Hoover at work, and I'm like, if that's what you need, that's what you need. If that's what you need, that's what you need. I am sick of her bullshit, but (laughs) hey. Hey. If she gets you to other books, then that's what matters. Um, I wanted to give a quick update. If you guys remember, I read... The Stepsisters by Susan Mallory. And I said that there was a thing to message her for the, the juicy gossip at the um the end of the book, and I did it. I'm just warning you, this is so anti-climatic. <laughs> no. So I emailed her and I said. Hello, I just read The Stepsisters and I am dying in capital letters to know the juicy secret about this book. She replies, well, we can't let you die, winky face heart. Thanks for your sweet email, Marissa. 
The secret is that in the first draft of the stepsisters, Sage was the one who broke up with Jordan all those years ago. She wanted travel and adventure, and he was holding her back. My editor wanted Sage's character to have more emotional depth, and we were brainstorming that during our revision call. Suddenly, I realized that changing who broke up with whom shifted everything. It made Sage more vulnerable. She left California in defeat instead of at a point of self-actualization. It seemed so huge and life-changing. We were so excited about it, and I knew it would be a lot of work to make that change, but it felt so right. I was excited to dive in. Then, when I went to revise the book, it turned out to be such a small change, although it changed a lot of the emotions in several scenes. It didn't require a great deal of changing the actual words. It felt like it was meant to be Susan. I thought, I literally thought she was going to be like, here's the freaking tea. This book is based on my life. Yes. Or like something crazy. Like, this is this is based on my friend's family and all this crazy stuff. I'm some celebrity that we all know of. I know. Well, at least it is kind of like writerly. Like she had some like tea about how it doesn't necessarily change the words if you change a plot. Yeah. But I don't care. <laughs> but like, oh, okay. What the hell, ma'am? I mean, it, and it's also cool that she like put that in the in the book to be like interactive with yeah with her, her readers. Fans. I appreciate that. So we both found our books, and it was really beautiful. And so that's kind of the theme of this episode: um, found objects, I suppose. Found in Aruba, the books that found us. Yes, yes. Um, I read. The Van Apfel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. I read The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware, who's the author of In a Dark, Dark Wood, which I've been dying to read. Um, and also there's something else that she writes that I'm like, oh, more people would totally know her from this. Oh, The Lying Game. Yes, 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 yes. So that was the book that said, Marissa, pick me up, please read me. Pick me. And one day I will read in a dark, dark wood and it'll be amazing also. I'm sure you freaking will. And then you could read The Lion Game too if you want to. And then I'll be like, wow, all amazing. Ruth, look at you doing the thing. I can go first. Yeah, go for it, bestie. In our Airbnb, there was like a little bookshelf of books and this was one of the ones on it. Um, The cover was really beautiful. It's like looking out of a boat window like a round circular window and you could see the waves the water and the window is just splashed with droplets of water and little um streams of water and i had heard about this book before but i've never really gave it the time like it was never something that i was like i have to buy that book it was always just something that i was like oh if i if i get through all the things that I want to read right now, then I will find that book and read it. It was like one of those books, but it was with, it was right in front of me. And I didn't know that um, Ruth Ware was also the author of In a Dark, Dark Wood, which I've really, really wanted to read. So I said, let's do that one. And I picked it up and I could not put it down. It was so good. So this is going to be a nice, fun, happy rating. Also, I should say it probably helped that a lot of the time that I was reading this book, I was on the beach by a pool in a lounge chair in the sun. It just makes for good reading things. Um, I don't think I don't think a lot of people think that summer is like a reading time, but that's summer is one of my favorite times to read thunderstorms, the just like relaxing in the park. For some reason, in the winter, being inside and reading makes me feel stuffy. So yeah, so for readability and interest, I gave this book an 8.5. I kept reading it and I kept thinking about it, but I also gave my time, I, I gave myself time to sit with it and to be with it. And so it wasn't like a total binge book where I was like, ah, it was more like, oh, okay, I'm on the beach. I'm going to read, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, and then I'm going to think about it, and then I'm going to read, and then I'm going to think about it. It was more like that. I let myself enjoy my vacation and... 
have a breather when I needed it because this book is very intense. It is like filled with a lot of anxiety inducing paranoia kind of. And so it's probably not a book that you want to like totally immerse yourself in 24 seven. But for all that being said, I did read it relatively quick. Like I would say maybe five days I read it, probably less than that. And it is 340 pages. For language and style, I gave it a seven. I think that the writing in here is really beautiful. And I have, I think about a lot of books that depict mental health. And I think you would think of probably, um, it's kind of a funny story, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think you would think of books like that. Um, I think Girl in Pieces probably. But for this book being a murder mystery, sort of, it's actually a really good meditation on mental health. And I've yet to see a book depict mental health, specifically like anxiety in the way that this book does. It literally feels like you are right there um, with our main character. We're actually, we're going to talk about form today. So I gave this a six for form. This book is split up into both chapters and parts. And at the end of each part, can you hear me flipping? Beautiful. At the end of each part, there's, let me backtrack. So it's in first person perspective, all from our main character, whose name's Laura, called Lo. And in the first chapter, she her house gets broken into, and she's really shaken up about it. And then she goes on this cruise ship, but it's it's like it's a smaller type cruise ship, and she's going on it for work. Um, she's like a travel writer, and she thinks that she witnesses a murder. And so it's all from her perspective until you get to like the last page or two of each part, in which case it is usually something cool like text message threads or there's one that is a Reddit thread. There's one that's Twitter. There's one that's Facebook. Just all these different kinds of um, media, I guess, media threads that kind of set it apart from the rest of the book. And it was really interesting because obviously the whole time you're getting her perspective and then these little things would happen at the end that they were usually, not that they were from other people's perspective because they were like text message threads and that's hard to be from somebody else's perspective, but it was more like you were getting um, pieces of the outside world apart from her. And usually those gave you a little bit of foreshadowing as to what would happen in the next part. And so there, there are some of these that I was like reading them and I'm like, Oh no, like, I can't believe that that's what's going to happen. And it was, it was really smart for Ruth to do that because it it put a lot of, uh, it put a lot of almost like plot twist type things in this book where I, w- I really wasn't sure if I could trust the main character at points. And I really wasn't sure if I could trust anyone on the boat at points. And I really wasn't sure if I could even trust these little bits of media that we were getting. Like it, it was just, it was an interesting experience as a reader. It wasn't just reading a book. For Shelf Worthy, I give this a seven. I am probably going to keep this on my shelf. The book is pretty destroyed, I won't lie. It's not destroyed. It's just, it got a little wet. Um, A lot of the pages on the top are like folded, not because I did that. They just got like that. So there's some water distortion. It's just, you know, this book has been through it. And I think that it will live a happy life on my shelf with my other books. And 
Um, it is something that I would like to read again in the future. And I think that it would go quicker after I've already read it once. Um, when we get into plot, the first thing I want to do is I want to read this first little page, which I know a couple books have done this and I don't really know what it is or what it's called. And we never talk. I don't think we ever talked about it, Pratt, but you know, when you open a book and even before like the first page, they insert a part of the book that happens down the line. They did that in here. And I just think I liked that. And it was so interesting. And I read it and this is what made me be like, okay, this is definitely the book I'm going to read. So um, I'm going to read it for you. Is everyone ready? Are you all tucked in? Are you all excited? You got your snacks and everything? Your tea? Okay. In my dream, the girl was drifting far, far below the crashing waves and the cries of the gulls and the cold, sunless depths of the North Sea. Her laughing eyes were white and bloated with salt water. Her pale skin was wrinkled, her clothes ripped by jagged rocks and disintegrated into rags. Only her long black hair remained floating through the water like fronds of dark seaweed, tangling in shells and fishing nets washing up on the shore in hanks like frayed rope where it lay limp, the roar of the crashing waves against the shingles filling my ears. I woke heavy with dread. It took me a while to remember where I was and still longer to realize that the roar in my ears was not part of my dream, but real. The room was dark with the same damp mist I'd felt in my dream. And as I pulled myself to sitting, I felt a cool breeze on my cheek. It sounded like the noise was coming from the bathroom. I climbed off the bed, shivering slightly. The door was shut, but as I walked across to it, I could hear the roaring building, the pitch of my heart rising alongside. Taking my courage in both hands, I flung open the door. The noise of the shower filled the small room as I groped for the switch. Light flooded the bathroom, and that's when I saw it. Written across the steamy mirror in letters maybe six inches high were the words, Stop Digging. I read that, and I was like, hell yeah, I gotta read that book. So good. Yeah. So for plot, I'm gonna give it a nine. Um, and I also want to talk a lot about how, as I said earlier, this book is really, really good at depicting mental illness um i think this book would also be good for like a women a woman's book club because there are a lot of instances i noticed in this book this is gonna sound so corny how do i say this do you remember when you were in high school and they were like oh okay you have to find the theme of this book and you have to list like several times when it happened and so oh this is a great example for the great gatsby you would be like oh like being watched and like eyes is like a theme. And then you list all the times that there are eyes in this book. This book would be good for that exercise because there's a lot of things about like being a woman and not being taken seriously because you're a woman, not being taken seriously because you are a woman with mental health issues who takes mental health medication. And there was so many different scenarios of like our main character being overpowered or like physically touched by men and even when it wasn't menacing I was still like oh okay there's like one part where one of the guests on the boat she tells them that her house was robbed or whatever and they were like oh it's really easy I could teach you self-defense classes and he like pulls her out of her chair and like twists her arm behind her back for like no reason at all. And there are just several times when men are just like putting themselves in her space somehow. And I found it really, really interesting in a mystery type book to have um, such big commentary on both mental health and being a woman together. I think that, you know, when we did our Agatha Christie episode, we talked 
quite a bit on um, different tropes that are used in mystery. And I think about when I took my detective fiction class and, you know, everyone wants to talk about, oh, the femme fatale, like the, the woman who lures men to their death and like all these friggin' annoying things. And I'm like, sounds like a trope invented by a man. So yeah, it was, it was nice to have that. And I think of how many times in my life when I haven't even you know, I'm not in the middle of a crazy murder investigation, and I still have people, like, not believing me for, like, stupid things. And I think that a man reading this book would also see that, and that's important. But also, the mystery was good. It was different. It was entertaining. I never... There were, like, things about it that I guessed... But it ne- like I still wanted to see how it played out, and it wasn't like too much. For characterization, I gave this a seven. I think it was really interesting. I was invested, especially in the main character. The other characters were really, really interesting. No one felt too fake or too flat um, or even too loud. Overall, I thought this book was really, really great. And I'm so thankful that it called to me. And I'll also say the last chunk of this book, maybe 100, 150 pages or so, I read on the plane, which it was interesting to have a character who's kind of trapped in the confined space of a ship and to also be in a confined space such as a plane. And I do think that where you read your books can affect how you read them, how you feel about them, et cetera. There are some books that I start reading in like winter and I'm like, I can't read this right now. This is a summer book. It just kind of depends. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Overall, I really, really liked it. And I'm excited to read more. And I thank the Aruba gods for saying, hey, Marissa, look at this book over here. Take it, it's yours. And that's not on that. I like that you said like where where and when you read a book influences your how you read it. Because I was just thinking about how like I read Horns in the Winter and I never read it in the summer. And it was cool to read it in the winter because like I hate winter. So it was nice to read like a summer book in the winter because mm-hmm. it felt more like an escape. But I want to be able to like, like you said, like you were on an airplane and you were at the beach, which is like two really cool places to be reading a book that takes place on a travel vehicle of sorts and on the water. But I want to like read horns like outside when it's like sticky. Yes, stop, Liza, stop. Because I want to read it so bad. You're going to make me pick it up right after we shut this off. Do it. Just do it, man. Good, 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 good. Perfect, 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 perfect. Why don't you tell us about your wonderful book? Yeah, I read, um, like I said, the Van Apple girls are gone. Um, I think I finished this book in like two days, like two and a bit. Like I read it all day on the 16th, all day on the 17th. And I think I did technically start it on the 15th. Um, I also finished it on the airplane. Um, But I love this book. Speaking of heat, like this book takes place in Australia and in the summer and it has like this festering quality to it Mm. that I just love. Content warning for domestic abuse and um, animal death in this book. If you're the type of person that can't read horror that has animal death, definitely don't read this because all of the most disturbing. Well, no, that's not true because there's a lot of disturbing things that happen to people. But a few of the really disturbing scenes happened 
like really disturbing happen to animals. And I know that's like quite a trigger for a lot of people. Like some people just won't, I don't know. I don't like when animals die and stuff either, but I do find that those scenes often like stick with me in a way that some scenes don't. Like I'll always think about the scene in Midnight Mass where the dog gets poisoned. Like that scene will stick with me as one of the top 10 most disturbing scenes I've ever seen, probably for the rest of my life. And this book has some stuff that's a little bit reminiscent of that. The other thing that reminds me of Midnight Mass a little bit is this book has a lot of religious undertones. So if you're also, um, if you're intrigued by horror that has religion, definitely pick this book up. But if that kind of thing makes you upset, also maybe not the book for you. This book was so good. It's basically about this girl who has been living in the US but is from Australia, returning home um, like 20 some odd years before their neighbor and like childhood best friends, which were three girls went missing. And you're kind of very limited in the front story and you're mostly in the backstory of the summer these girls um, disappeared. And it, it, you're trying to figure out the whole time what happened to them and you don't really get to know, which is something else that I really like. Like, I love a mystery that remains unsolved even better than I like a mystery that remains solved. Um, This uh, book also, if anybody watched the TV show Cruel Summer, it reminds me a lot of Cruel Summer, but like, like, like Cruel Summer is like a fun, like teen show. I mean, it's still very disturbing, honestly, but this is like literary cruel summer, I would say. Um, so if you liked that, but you also are a literary fiction girly, I would definitely say read this book. It also takes place in the summer of 1992. So it's kind of a period piece. And it, that's the summer that that woman who do everybody knows the story, right? That her baby went missing and all they found was the baby's clothes outside of the dingo cave. And she was like, a dingo took my baby. Um, It takes place the summer that she was exonerated for that crime because they decided that a dingo did kill the baby. But I don't think we actually know. Like it could be that she killed her own baby. Um, It could be that the dingo took the baby. It's one of those things we'll never know, but it takes place during that summer. Um, So that's kind of a fun little backdrop. Um, So to get right into the uh, chart, I gave this book uh, a nine for readability. Like I said, I read this book in like two days, basically. I just could not put it down. And that happens to me. I, I go one of two ways when I'm at the beach. Either I am trying to read at the beach and I just can't, or I'm at the beach and I plow through a book like it's nobody's freaking business. Um, and this was definitely one of those books. We were on, we were in Renaissance Island the day I was reading this. And I was just like fucking flipping through that shit. I think it also helps that we didn't have any Wi-Fi on the plane. Like I wanted to finish it anyway, but we also didn't have any Wi-Fi on the plane back. So I was like, let me just finish this book right here right now. And I did. But yeah, I was definitely plowing through this book. It's such a good binge book because you really are trying to figure out what the frick is going on and what the heck happened. And it's so tense and it's so disturbing and unsettling. Um, but it also is a very summer read. So there's something very fun about it, too. And it, it, and it whenever I wasn't reading it, it was playing on my mind. And especially, which I'll just transfer right into the next part, for language, um, I gave this book a nine. I love... Felicity McLean's writing style. And I feel like what was playing on my mind most when I wasn't reading the book (coughs) was her language. So I can read a few. It was just such a bizarre, bizarre style. And like, you know, Marissa and I were both writers. And so I think often we are attracted to people who write in a similar way to the way we write. And it doesn't even need to be like, oh, my God, I would write like I could write this. Like, I don't think that. But it's like I can tell this woman's brain works kind of in the same way my brain works when it comes to like describing things. Um, And so I think that's why I really love this book. I'll read this passage um, and I'll make sure there's no real spoilers, but 
this passage does come at the end of the book, but uh, towards the end. Um, but I won't say what's really going on. They had no way of knowing how long she'd been dead when they found her there by the river, wedged into those boulders, rammed right in like the valley wasn't low enough. Like she tried to go deeper, tried to crawl right inside and be eaten alive. They said when they saw her that her mouth was twisted into its usual curl, said her head was tipped back, her jaw wide as a pair of cupped hands. Next, they saw the flies, that brilliant roiling mess, shifting and dripping and liquid as the tide. They poured from her nose, clustered at her eyes. She could have been down there for days. She could have been dead the entire time we searched. At least that's what Wade Nervakis said. And he was told it by his parents who were there delivering sandwiches from their deli for all the searchers. Ugh. So good. The the imagery of the flies. Like I said, like this this book, the heat of this book had a really nice, like festering quality to it. And I I, I love a description of the dead. And I thought this was such a beautiful and grotesque and accurate description of the dead because here's the tea, guys. When somebody dies, they don't look peaceful. They don't look like they're sleeping. When rigor mortis sets in, people look really um, different. And your mouth does get like, is going to be like wide open and curled and, and, and all this, you know, really grotesque stuff. And so I always like when an author is like, yeah, let's, Let's include that. And I also just love that rammed right into the, rammed right in like the valley wasn't low enough. Like she tried to go deeper, tried to call, crawl right inside and be eaten alive. I just love that. And there's another a passage I'll read that, like I mentioned, the um, religious um aspects of this book. I'll read one that I think would probably intrigue people. He was careful to keep her cast arm dry and it protruded like a plaster periscope while the rest of her shameful body was submerged and washed clean, baptism among the bath salts and the bubbles. And when Mrs. Van Apple walked past putting the clean laundry away, she must have wondered what her husband was doing in the bathroom with their 13 year old daughter was in the bath. But when she heard him talking in tongues, she knew it was the Lord's work, that he was building a temple to Jesus right then and there in the ensuite. I hate it, but I love it. I hate it, but I love it. A temple right then and there in the ensuite, a temple to Jesus right then and there in the ensuite. Girl, what? And that was the other thing, too. Like this one character, Mr. Van Apple is often speaking in tongues and that just freaks me the fuck out. Like I'm really disturbed by very religious people. Like, I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, I, I think it's like really scary when people are that inside of their delusion, really. Um, so that added a level of horror to this book. Um, like I said, like, if you like, like Midnight Mass, like, like those people are so deep into their delusion that they're just committing these unspeakable acts. Um, and that's what some of the characters are like in this book, too. And then the characters who aren't mega into their religion are sort of trapped um, by it. For form, I gave this book an eight. It was really her style, honestly, that um, I found so captivating, um, but the form worked really well. I think when you're writing a mystery, you have to be thinking about form sometimes even more than you have to be thinking about form when you're writing another kind of book. Um, and so I can definitely tell that she had that in mind when crafting this book. I also did appreciate the having the back and the front story the way she balanced it, I think was perfect for this book. Because like I said, you actually don't get a lot of the front story. You're mostly in the backstory. And I think that worked so well, but I liked that we still had these tidbits of the front story because it would have been a very different book if it was all taking place in the summer of 1992 instead of the girls, because um, it's actually from the main point of this girl, Tika and her older sister, you get Lauren's experience too. And it, it, this kind of guilt they have about 
when the Van Apple girls went missing, you wouldn't get that if you only had the original story that was happening in 1992. So I, I think that form was really um, well done. For shelf worthiness, I gave this book an 8.5. I'm definitely keeping this book. Mine is also very beat up. Um, I beat the hell out of my books, especially in the summer, because I'm always reading at the beach or in the park. And so my books are always covered in a layer of grime and sand and dirt and salt water. Um, but I also, we know I crack my spines, but this book was also already like peeling up here. Like it's sort of like, I don't know. I really like this. Like, I don't like when my books look pristine. Cause then I'm like, you can't even tell that I read this, but like, I didn't do this. The person that read this before me did it. It's like the whole cover is peeling off. And I just like that a lot. You could hide something in there if you wanted but yeah I'm definitely gonna keep this for a long time I would definitely read it again and I would definitely revisit the language for sure for plot I also gave this book an 8.5 really good plot not predictable you never really knew what was coming around the corner next um you didn't know the it, it, you were always trying to figure out the where the why and the how and the who honestly like of what was going on which i think is really often necessary for mysteries and like i said you don't really find out exactly what happened and there's some parts of it with not knowing that are like hopeful um but there's some parts of not knowing is and knowing what you do know that make you say how awful that i don't that the characters in this book don't know and then that I don't know. So it's really like a, a mixed feeling towards this sort of ambiguous ending to the book. And last but not least for characterization, I gave this book a nine. Um, I freaking, I loved the characterization of this book. All of the characters were so whole um tika and laura who are the two sisters who are still around they're part of one family their parents who are so different than mr and mrs van apple they're like not religious at all um they're not as like protective of the girls they're good parents but they're not as like protective of the girls as the van apples and then the van apple girls all three of them are so distinct and even it's one of those books where all the random like first name last name classmates that they mention you get one fact about all them like they'll mention like so and so so and so but you'll get a fact about them that's just like so real like that is how you refer to people you like went to school with you'll like remember this one like weird fact about them like the one that I just read in that passage it was like this kid who was describing what the dead body looked like and he knew because he was there because his parents owned the deli and they were providing the searchers with sandwiches like I feel like there's this unspoken no it's a spoken there's a spoken rule in in school that you should never mention a character a person's name if you're not gonna use them as a character but I kind of disagree with that because why there's always people in the background why would you not why would they not be part why would you omit them if they were there they're there like when you're thinking of these stories when you're writing these stories you have people in the background like i think as a good writer you're you shouldn't only be thinking of the characters that are the main part of your story like that feels like you're not looking at the whole picture um and so i'm always one for for writing for putting in a character even if you know they're not going to really come up again so yeah i like that i thought some of these characters were so disturbing especially mr van apple and one other character was very troubling to me and yeah i mean you feel sad for all these people in different ways and i think that's always a good sign I think sometimes in mysteries, you'd care more about the story than you do about the people. That's how I felt about Reckless Girls, the book I read for the second episode of the Aruba tapes. I didn't care about those people. Um, but this book, like I really did. And I think that says a lot about uh, uh, how well a genre fiction book is written. So yeah, I freaking love this book. It's definitely, I mean, I it's definitely gonna make it into my top 10 of the year 
I'm obsessed. I got to see if we stock it at work and make it a staff rec, but I don't know if we do, in which case I will be shortlisting it as long as it's not print on demand. But yeah, Bessie, I'm glad we found these books in Aruba. Me too. What a treat. So thankful. Thank you, Aruba. Thanks, Ashriba, Ashruba. Ashriba, Ashruba. I miss it already. I wish I was still there. Well, we're going back soon. Yeah, we are going back soon. Like what, January? Yeah. I'm serious. We also realized, guys, that we do have to open a bookstore in Aruba because all of the bookstores in Aruba were religious. Religious or not English? Yes. Yeah, so we need an English bookstore for the for the tourists the tourists it's something that we can give them good things to read yes yes look Uh, at us go look at us go also you guys if you're listening and you're from aruba (laughs) because we left a bunch of stickers there um so i don't know maybe you're listening and you're from aruba maybe you're rocky (laughs) i was about to say are we gonna shout out our our best friend Shout out to our best friend in the whole wide world, Rocky Donker. Thanks for driving us around. Thanks for putting up with my mom. He doesn't know he's our best friend, but he is. Rocky, please give us five stars on Spotify. (laughs) We love him. Definitely favorite person from Aruba. (laughs) Without a doubt, he's amazing. (laughs) He's the best. We didn't really interact with that many other people, to be honest, but... uh... And look for our stickers coming up near you in Buffalo and Brooklyn and Manhattan, too. Yep. Because um, we're going to be spreading them out. And soon they'll be available for purchase on something. Not like super yeah. soon. You got to figure it out. But like at some point, you can buy your own little sleep sticker. For and, you, for your house. For your house. You can stick it on your laptop. You could put it on the back of your car so that people can scan it while they're driving and have something to listen to very safe yeah that's always use your phone while you're driving um <laughs> you heard it here first every day use your phone while you're driving little sleep much driving much crashing little little drive little driving <laughs> much crashing Um, Our books for next week, I think, I mean, mine are kind of ambiguous because I'm going to do, the theme is water, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do one of two books. Um, I'm going to do either Malibu Rising, which I already read and I loved it, or I'm going to do New Animal, Um, but I might end up doing either one of those for the heat episode that's coming later because both of them actually do have heat elements in it, too. Um, And what about you, Miss Girl? Um, I'm going to be talking about The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh, um, which I just finished today, and I'm it was amazing, so look forward to that. I'm excited. I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, that's about all she wrote today. That's all she wrote. We hope you guys read these books, because we actually loved these ones. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Next week. We'll see you. We'll see you. Peace out. Bye. When a man does anything, I always makes me go, huh. <laughs> Cut the tapes. I said, stop the films. Stop the films. Cut the cameras.